Hello, welcome to another episode of Ahead in Healthcare. Today's conversation is an interesting topic. We're going to talk about eliminating technical debt. And one of the ways of eliminating technical debt is by using something that we've used at Ahead called lifecycle management. So I have a, a team of folks today, joined by uh, my consistent partner in crime, Houdini Abtahi. Also joined uh, joining this time is uh, Daniel Plourd, experienced client director for AHEAD, Bra Patel, an amazing architect at AHEAD, and Ashley Goodman, another uh, client director, all of which have years of experience in healthcare and have dealt with technical debt and helping clients deal with it, in particular, implementing what we call lifecycle management. So let's get started. So one of the things that some folks may be asking is, you know, what is technical debt? And, you know, why is it so important? And one, I mean, I did a little bit of research on some of this, but there was a recent study that found that a typical, typical company wastes about 23 to 42% of development time on technical debt. Now, combined with the fact that in healthcare, if you think about it, it, there's just tons of outdated systems and stuff that's never been replaced. And there was another study that was done in, um, I think it's 2021, 2022, it was a HIM survey that found about 73% of healthcare providers use medical equipment that is controlled by outdated legacy operating systems. And about 20% of those still run Windows XP. <laughs> I think Microsoft stopped supporting that in 2014. So it's a huge issue. And the whole idea of technical debt, it's kind of like the, more, the longer you wait, the more interest accrues, meaning the more it's going to cost you to really fix it. And I think we've had, uh, not only in healthcare, but a lot of industries have experienced dealing with this type of thing from Southwest Airlines had an incident, I think it was around the holidays where 16,000 flights were either canceled or delayed. I think it cost them about $800 million in that case, but it's a huge problem. So I don't know, um, Daniel or Barab or Houdini, or Ashley, what, what are your thoughts about technical debt and as how have you seen us be able to address it with this lifecycle management solution? Hey, everybody, this is Sudini. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. Within healthcare, obviously technical debt is when decisions aren't solving a problem and we're doing a lot of Band-Aids on top of code and things like that, you know, it's like we're duplicating efforts and things are just getting lost in translation as far as we're not solving for a problem. We're just trying to uh, patch things up as we go. So if you think about technical debt in its truest form, I think healthcare is known for just kind of keeping the lights on to your point, Jay, about Windows XP. It doesn't surprise me because I feel like healthcare, you need the laggards in the technology space versus like the financial services. But uh, want to get? I'd be curious to get other people's thoughts on this. Well, yeah, I'll jump. I'll jump in. I, I think what Houdini mentioned regarding you know IT or healthcare being laggards in IT. I think it's really because we're seeing a shift 
but also a disconnect between the healthcare providers and the IT teams of understanding how IT can help impact patient care. I hear a lot, healthcare is a physical touch practice. Healthcare is a face-to-face practice. And I think with the the younger generations coming up, we're seeing more and more dependence upon technology, government regulations pushing us more into technology dependence in delivering healthcare. And so what, what we're seeing is that the healthcare companies out there are struggling to catch up because they're running on razor thin margins. And so when they haven't had to invest in IT, things that they consider day-to-day basic blocking and tackling versus things that will potentially impact patient care, they've, they've ignored some things. And so we see IT assets that are being sweated for five, six, seven years after for being fully depreciated. And I think just now companies are in healthcare operators are starting to see the detriment that is in now providing patient care it is where I think that this is really becoming more of a forefront in conversation. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Cause uh, you know, the, what hearing you talk, the other thing I was thinking about is um, there are a lot of hospitals in particular that want to take advantage of innovation and because there isn't any standard per se with regards to how you do that, if you don't have that kind of modernized platform, you can't take advantage of any of it. There's, there's a lot that's kind of left to be done. And again, that debt just keeps increasing the longer you wait. Yeah. Well, yeah. absolutely. And I, and I think, I think that what we're a society that we can't wait three days after the new phone iPhone comes out to go buy it because of all the improvements yet in our healthcare systems, we're okay to run network infrastructure that's seven, eight, 10 years past support life, or like what you talked about, Windows XP, Windows 2012, that are end of support life, five, 10 years, yet we're allowing it to be in the chain of custody or chain of care for our patients. And I think a lot of what we're seeing now with all the security risks, all the cyber attacks in our healthcare industry, a lot of that stuff's coming to the forefront. Yeah, that's a good point. The other thing, you know, when we think about technical debt, it's not just infrastructure. It could be infrastructure, there's security debt, there's software debt, there's even documentation debt, if you really think about it, because there are a ton of environments that I've been in where there's no documentation. (laughs) And that kind of disables not only the ability to architect, but also the ability to strategize going forward. It's just, again, it slows things down. One of the things that often we see in the healthcare systems is, yeah, the innovation is necessary and needed, but oftentimes there's a disconnect between the IT and the business and how business views IT as just, hey, running and maintaining those IT information systems, that's about it. And they look at them as a cost center and that really gets in the way of kind of innovation and creates this technical debt where part of innovation that needs to be looked at holistically, taking account the front end applications and everything and everything that goes into supporting those. That's a good point. That's a good point. So this lifecycle management kind of offering that we use at, I had, Let's talk a little bit more about that. I mean, given 
you know, what we've talked about in terms of eliminating debt, how do we go about using lifecycle management to address those types of issues? How do we get started? Is it working well for those that we've actually used it for or with? Well, you know, and I think when we talk about lifecycle management, obviously my, my frame of reference primarily is an infrastructure, Jay, um, an IT infrastructure, you know, and there's lots of parts to the IT lifecycle asset life cycle. There's the procurement, there's the deployment, the ongoing management, and then sort of the decommissioning. What we're talking about is there oftentimes between that deployment and decommissioning, there's a long period of time there that assets become fully deprecated. There's reduced performance. As we all know, there's computing advances basically weekly. And so we're allowing these assets to sit in our environment for years after they've met their useful life. And so we're missing out on that capability, not to mention, like we talked about, additional security vulnerabilities that because those assets are no longer being supported by the manufacturers. And so critical vulnerabilities exist. And so I think really that where you start to answer your question is you have to understand the problem statement. Where are we at? Understand what is your asset inventory? Do you have a good CMDB database that you can rely on? Do you have a good understanding of where your assets are in that cycle? And then develop a plan to sort of address them. And what the way we've generally done that is through a programmatic approach, right? You have to eat the elephant one bite at a time. We, we can't go out and affect change at all levels because it could potentially become very disruptive impact patient care, impact business operations, just cause a lot of organizational change that is disruptive. And so figuring out, you know, sort of understanding where we're at, understanding, developing a plan of where we want to get to. And then, you know, like I said, just eat that elephant one bite at a time. Great points. I think one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking was, are there important things to have in place to kind of increase the effectiveness of the program. For an example, an IT strategy, a useful, say, ITSM platform that has CMDB. Are there kind of prerequisites or does it matter? No, absolutely. To answer your question, Jay, it all goes back to that alignment to business, right? You want this initiative to be business aligned and business led as opposed to, hey, yes, we're eliminating technical debt, but to do what? What outcomes are we really trying to drive towards? And that's where something like IT strategy, working through it to really defining, hey, how are we capturing business requirements? And at the end of the day, what does this refresh of this uh, assets mean to business? And how are we improving performance and eliminating some of the risks that maybe there as low-hanging fruits. And, you know, to build, to build on what Barav said, I, I think that absolutely you have to understand what the business goals and business strategy are. You know, in healthcare, there's a lot of difference between a research and training or teaching hospital versus a for-profit entity. And so understanding what those business goals and objectives are needs to feed the IT strategy that IT strategy will then in light feed the lifecycle management, the application, the cloud, the data center, all those strategies all need to point and make sure that they're pushing and leading towards that ultimate business outcome and business strategy. And so, yes, absolutely. You need to have these strategies in place. Can you operate without them? Yes, but you're 
prone to make some mistakes along the way. To answer the other parts of your question, yes, the strategies are important. A CMDB to understand sort of what the asset inventory looks like is obviously very good, or you're going to have to go out and do a lot of manual collections. I think some of the lessons learned that we've seen is getting a baseline before sort of refresh activities and, a, and a, then a validate the value after the, after the fact is also very beneficial because it helps the business understand the value. They don't just see it as shiny new things of, hey, I put all these switches in or I put all this new compute in. What did I really get for it? And so I, I think that we've really seen that that's a real value to be able to, to show back to the company why we're doing this and why they need to continue doing this. This is not a one and done. It's, hey, we're going to do it now. And then three to five years from now, we're going to need to do it again. So we don't bury ourselves back in that that technical hole. That makes sense. I, I guess you, you may be thinking about another thing that it, it's probably as important as strategy. And that's kind of the, the financials or the FinOps side of this, both in terms of tracking savings, but also helping make the business case to so the business understands how they could shift some of that savings, in essence, paying off that debt and using it to kind of innovate, right? Is that what you guys are, are seeing as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's essential for that to be viewed as a foundation, right? When you're eliminating the technology debt or technical debt, it's got to be the foundation that provides you with the opportunity to do innovation on top. As folks go through this life cycle management, I guess one question I think some folks may have is, is it all about just eliminating debt or is it about evolving, say in this case, the infrastructure? Meaning once you eliminate it, does it also kind of continue the life cycle of taking that next step, for example, automating? Or do we, from a life cycle perspective, do we just focus on updating, not kind of continuing the evolution. I think most customers may say, great, you've eliminated, but what do I do now? <laughs> you know, how, how do I take advantage of this? And that's kind of, if you don't have that strategy, it's kind of hard, but I mean, what do you guys see? Is it, is it kind of, you stop there or do you kind of work with a customer to figure out how do you leverage what you've eliminated and what you build on so you can kind of evolve and, and go forward? Is that kind of part of this program as well? Or is that kind of a next step? after you've kind of completed the, the LCM? I'll take a stab at that one. The true answer is it depends, right? Where are you at in that transformation, you know, sort of roadmap? Are, you know, are we doing lifecycle management on a very advanced and mature IT program or a very simplistic and dated program? I think the intent of a lifecycle management program is to always get better. In some cases, what we've seen is, hey, we're just digging out of such a deep hole and we're digging towards transformation but there's no way that we can do it in the first pass. And so we're having to do phase two, phase three, phase four planning to really get them to more of a mature IT state. But then in other cases, they're, they're more of a mature organization and we're just doing basic blocking and tackling of, hey, making sure that we're staying at that bleeding edge, not bleeding edge. And so the automation's already there, the DR and you know cyber recovery or cyber resiliency efforts are already in place. And we're really just trying to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to get pushed too far back down the path. So I guess all that to say, it really, it just depends on, on where you're at and where you're trying to get to. And I guess the, another question that some folks may have is how much convincing do we have to do, right? Do you have to uh, do a lot of work to 
help folks understand their baby's ugly or is that something that they are automatically know that the baby's ugly and I need a lot of help or that they kind of know the baby's <laughs> ugly. I mean, I, I think everyone knows a baby is ugly, but no one's willing to speak up and recognize it. So kind of like a process of as an addict, you know, going into recovery, recognizing that you've got an addiction problem, recognizing that that's the start. In my experience, I think the IT teams recognize that there's a problem. But again, going back to the what's the ultimate mission and objective of a healthcare company is to take care of patients. And so when we're, we're weighing the cost benefit of doing a network refresh versus adding another MRI that can directly impact patient care, sometimes there's a disconnect between the business of understanding, hey, that MRI is not going to provide me the value it should if I don't have the plumbing to, to let it run, you know, the network. And so there has to be that partnering with the business to help them understand, hey, if we don't take care of our plumbing, in this example, networking, at some point, the pipes, the toilets are going to start backing up, right? And so we have to make sure that we're staying in, towards the front. And it's not sexy. It's not really, like you said, transformational, bringing new things to the business. But at the end of the day, IT is driving healthcare. Because everything, all of our devices are connected. All of our devices are needing internet access, whether it's Wi-Fi or wired. You know, our surgical rooms are becoming more computer driven. And we're, we're just seeing use case after use case that's coming in that's going to need and require a robust infrastructure. And so if the, if the doctors don't understand that, it's our job to help the IT teams that we work with to go help them understand and, and educate them on why it's important that we do this. Just as important as buying a new MRI is making sure that our network and compute and, you know, data centers are up to date. Yeah. And oftentimes what we've seen with some of the customers is they do do some sort of a lifecycle management, but it, it's all done in a way the organization is structured and how they view the projects and the overall portfolio of projects. So they may be doing it project at a project at a time, right, Daniel? Whereas it is necessary to be able to look at this holistically. And that's where really, if you recognize that, it allows you for opportunity to kind of engage in that whole holistic approach to lifecycle management, where you now tap into innovative constructs like, hey, I'm looking at the networks in my facilities, clinics. Yes, there's some significant technical debt, but if I look at this holistically, how am I going to incorporate and build a foundation with my RAN, with my networks in the facilities, the carriers, and every, the, the holistic kind of view of things where I provide that network foundation layer that enables the innovation that is necessary through AI, robotics, and things that are really driving the transformational aspect of healthcare delivery going forward. Yeah, I think this is a great discussion too. And I want to bring Ashley into this conversation because I know you have a lot of experience with life cycle management. And, you know, what do you think, Ashley, as far as why aren't more hospitals initiating this kind of program throughout their environment? Yeah, good question. I think honestly is it the complexity of it and trying to manage this while keeping patient care top of mind. These are not, to Daniel's point, not sexy 
projects. They're not necessarily innovative. They're more foundational. And so spending the time and the funds to make sure that these types of projects are staying afloat is challenging uh, amongst all the other tasks and projects that they have going on. Daniel and Rob, you may have some more insight into that, but I would think that that would be kind of my first thought is there's just other priorities in addition to these projects. That makes sense, actually. I guess the other question I have, and I'll ask this of you, but the whole team, I mean, I would imagine that the other thing that we would have to be somewhat good at to be able to pull this off is the, the whole procurement kind of managing of product, configuring a product side of things to do it kind of efficiently. Is that something that kind of we are best to breed at and we bring something to the table you think that's unique? Are there kind of lessons learned from your perspective of what should folks have in face place to kind of help us do these things better? Are there any things that you can think of that, that may make sense to, to share? The first thing that comes to mind is, you know, this is definitely a team approach. These types of things are not usually successful, just done in-house without partnerships like AHEAD um, and other partners because we have the resources that can be dedicated to it. What we typically see is if these types of things are done in-house, that they fall through the cracks and, and potentially aren't being ran strategically. Lessons learned, Daniel, team, you guys may have some insight, but I would think that just making sure that we have a full team from a logistics standpoint that are you know tracking these types of things and our program managers, we have very skilled uh, project teams that are running these day in and day out that know all the details of everything going on. Yeah, I, I think to, to build on Ashley, I think the lessons learned and, and some of the, the best practices that we bring are one, you have to be flexible in a healthcare environment, right? So you have to have a team that's willing to be flexible. You know, you can't get into the surgical rooms until the weekends and after hours and things like that. But also, you know, like with our, with our recent acquisition of MBX and all the staging and, and pre-configuration work that we can do to take all of this sort of out of that healthcare setting, we can roll in with the team and get through and be as least disruptive as possible, you know, are, are, are some key things. And then sort of going back to what Barav was talking about, we have seen a lot of folks that try to do this on a project-driven basis. You know, and the thing that came to my mind is, do I do preventative maintenance on my house only when I'm doing a construction project? And, and that's really what you're trying to do in an IT setting is, oh, every time I'm gonna onboard an app, I'm going to bring in new compute and we're just going to sort of do it one piece at a time. And it, it's just, it's a recipe for disaster. Priorities change, budgets shift, budgets get pulled back and the preventative maintenance that you were hoping to do this year ends up getting pushed to next year. And before you know it, you're three, four years down the road and you're like, oh goodness, what have I gotten myself into? I haven't been doing, I haven't been doing the stuff that I've needed to do and I know I've needed to do it has to be done, right? It's the same as changing the oil in your car or, you know, and doing those things. It's, it's just something that we have to make sort of rote memory that we just sort of have a program in place that keeps it moving. One of the things that I want to point out is be aware of, I mean, there, there is a lot of organizations like ours that will try and sell themselves as, Hey, we, we, we can help you with your LCM program and stuff. What makes us valuable is we, our ability, our expertise and experience. But apart from that, we don't want to box you into uh, things of like our own tooling that we would need to bring in to offset, 
do some of the things that's more proprietary and that boxes organizations into kind of not having access to some of the key critical data that is needed where we advise clients to leverage your own investment like for example if you have service now let's look at that and let's look at the existing uh, investment that you have made if we need to leverage it better and uh, build upon that as, as opposed to some proprietary tools that other organizations require jay i got one more thing yeah you know, one another lesson learned i think that you know a lot of times we've seen when hospitals are built construction companies are engaged when technology projects are, are completed the it teams are engaged and what we're starting to see is that there's a desire and, and a, an understanding from the healthcare providers that we need to engage them as something as simple as talking to the surgical team and saying, hey, where would the network ports be best positioned in your surgical rooms? Well, as we're going through here, we have the ability to, to impact those changes. One of the lessons learned is to make sure that you're talking to your business partners up front so as we're going through and doing these large scale refreshes that we're, we're taking into consideration, I think a lot of times we also get into the trap of just doing like for like of, hey, we're just going to pull this out and put this new one in. But if we, we can also use these programs as a springboard to sort of help that alignment between IT and the business, you know, and, and it could be something as simple as that, that exact question, hey, Doctor, where do you need to have network ports? It would, it, would it be better if they were on the floor by the patient's feet or in the ceiling? And just understanding sort of what their workflow is. I think both IT practitioners and the medical practitioners don't talk enough. Um, and if we were just get in the room and sort of hash some of those things out, we could absolutely help each other be successful. So how does, uh, if somebody wanted to start this, how do they get started? How do they, uh, what's the first step that say, a hospital or a healthcare system would take besides contacting us, <laughs> what's the first step to take in kind of this life cycle journey? I was going to say, just call ahead, but <laughs> you know, I call us and we'll figure it out. I think we talked about that a little bit earlier. One, it's understanding that this is a necessary, it's a necessary part of what you need to do. And I think that the IT teams understand that, you know, we're all sort of techies and we like the new gadgets and gizmos. But I think it's really, you know, I keep coming back to this understanding and working with the business or helping the business yeah. to understand yeah. why we have to do this. Not, I mean, it's, it's not just because right. I want a shiny new toy. It's right. because it's going to help you do your job better. Well, because the one thing I was thinking about, Daniel, is this, this is an effort. It's going to take effort to do this. And if, for example, to your point about the business kind of being engaged to understand what they're going to get out of this, given the amount of time and partially some of the disruption, it may take some of the luster off the upfront kind of effectiveness of the program, meaning they'll just see it as a disruption. If, again, there's no alignment, there's no perception in terms of value coming out of the other end. Um, so I'd imagine that we would have to at least help with if it doesn't have, if they don't have it in place, some aligning with the business to ensure that they see there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Because I mean, my experience has been not all hospitals and healthcare systems have great kind of working relationships with the business. It's kind of some do, some don't. And the ones that don't, I think are the ones where there needs to be a lot of help to get things started just to make sure 
expectations and perceptions are managed with regards to what you're going to get and how fast you're going to get it. I mean, in the name of getting started, hey, it, it all starts with recognition. And if, and I'm going to speak from a, a head perspective and being part of a comp team, I know we constantly aren't just looking at who we are interacting with, point specific people within a, our client's environment, but we're looking at the business as a whole and trying to understand what the business is trying to do and how they are operating today and what may be needed for them. So as an account team, take the time to understand your client's business and that presents opportunities for recognition and initiating that initial conversations. I guess my, my last question, I don't know who didn't even have one or two others, but operational support. Once we finish, is that it? Do we kind of leave them and say, you know, okay, we birthed the baby. Now you have to take care of it. Or is it, <laughs> do we provide any additional either hyper or post support or how does that work in terms of after we've gone through and, and kind of taken out the old and then put the new, do we help an organization support and understand how to leverage what they have? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that where we really are, I don't want to say different, but you know, I guess that's the best word is obviously we partner with our, with our customers, right? We're, we're not a get in and get out kind of a company. The customer I work with, I've worked with over a decade. And so we don't get that kind of track record without being in the trenches with them and making sure that our projects are successful. But other ways that we can also provide support, you know, obviously there's the deployment and you sort of help them you know, make sure that they can take it into production and do that production turnover process. So they're enabled and ready to sort of maintain the new platforms that are deployed. But there's also no better time, especially if you're working with the business, to look at managed services as an offering. Because now a company like ourselves, we understand exactly how something's built. We can then take that and turn it into sort of a day two managed service where we will make sure from that point forward that that system is, is maintained in a way that's it's going to improve performance and day-to-day -day operations. And I think like Daniel mentioned, I mean, obviously the business side is the most important. You, know, you had a good example there about Daniel, about the doctors and where they need things placed. If you think about it, in most hospital systems, the doctor's are really the ones that are running the business versus IT. You know, IT is always known as, you know, keep the lights on type of business, whereas the doctors are producing revenue. So talking to the business, I think we've all kind of talked about that is, is the number one thing. If you're not talking to the business, you're not going to really understand what you need to get done. No, I, absolutely. I think we also get stuck in this trap of talking about, I think a lot of times us in the IT world, we talk about automation and we, we think immediately network optimization or server spin up, spin down. But what if we could automate the housekeeping of a surgical room? Or what if we could automate other aspects through things like computer vision? All of those things aren't possible if we're not maintaining our core infrastructure. There's a lot of things coming out in healthcare that are going to be driven by technology. And, you know, if we're not doing, again, the preventative maintenance, well, then we, we can't do those things. And so I think that that's really where understanding where the business is going, understanding where healthcare and technology are going and helping our, you know, our clients understand that this, this is a journey and this is just one 
small piece, but it's a very important piece because it lays the foundation for the rest of the things that we want to do in, in our environments. Well, good conversation, guys. I think we've provided uh, a lot of insights about what lifecycle management is, how it kind of helps impact or eliminate technical debt, and some lessons learned about how to get started, how to kind of complete, complete the mission. I love the, uh, the analogy about the house. I was thinking about a lot of different things. I wasn't thinking a house. I, I was thinking more toilet, but <laughs> I don't know why. But thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Good insights, good conversation. We'll probably have a follow-up to this conversation, probably spinning up into, you know, how do you leverage what you have from a modernization perspective to do things like automate. Thank you, guys. To our listeners, stay tuned for our next episode of Ahead in Healthcare.